You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. Welcome to our latest episode of the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast. I'm Mary Beth Noonan, a real estate professional and a member of the Michael Blanc team. Today, I'm talking with one of our mentors, David Kamara. David began his real estate investing journey in 06 with a duplex. Today, his portfolio includes sprawling apartment buildings and townhouse communities. He is the go-to advisor for C-suite executives and private equity investors, boasting interim roles as CIO and COO and involvement over 50 pivotal transactions. David's multifaceted expertise is amplified by his fluency in five languages. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mary Beth. I appreciate the glowing intro. (laughs) Thanks. You have such an impressive background, but I think I'll always just have in my head, he speaks five languages. Everything else goes out the window when I just hear how, how impressive that is. Well, I think sometimes you just get put into these situations and you don't you don't choose what happens to you in life. The five languages very quickly. So I was born in Ukraine. So my first language is actually Russian, not Ukrainian. But growing up in Ukraine, my first year of schooling was in Ukrainian with English and Russian as foreign languages. I was born in Kiev and everyone speaks Russian in Kiev or spoke Russian in Kiev then. And then of course, my dad is from Sierra Leone where the official language is English but no one speaks English on the street. It's you, you speak a language called Creo, which is a mix of all the colonial languages from the North and South American coast, actually, because Sierra Leone was used to resettle slaves and the capital was known as Freetown. So when they came, they created this language, which was a mix of English, French, Spanish, Portuguese, and everything in between. So very fun, colorful language. And living in Sierra Leone, we learned French, and I also studied French at L'Alliance Francaise, which actually made it more real because they were we were forced to speak, or you you had to, if you needed to go to the bathroom, you had to ask that in French, and so that that's the languages that I speak. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you for for sharing. And while we're talking about a little bit about your history and where you come from, I want to hear about how you got into real estate investing. Sure. So I was very excited once my wife and I graduated college, moved to Chicago, started working, and we were renting and we were learning about home ownership and wanted to buy a house. And then just when we bought our house, we realized that our rent was actually higher than our mortgage payment. You know, like when we bought our place, our mortgage payment was less than what we were paying rent the year before. And so I got very excited about that and started researching how can we buy more houses and do the single family investment thing. Went to a number of conferences then, bought a few things, bought some duplexes. The thing is, we didn't have much money, so it was a very slow slog. And then, of course, life happened. We had kids, changed careers, got into management consulting, and that fell by the wayside a bit. And it was many years later that I was in consulting. I was working for myself. I had a management consulting practice, and my eight-year-old essentially asked me if I was going to be going to work the next day, which was a very tough question because I was going to go to work and I had to be where my clients needed me to be. And even though I was working for myself, I realized that I really was not in control of my time at all. And so that led to a lot of discussions with my wife about what should we be doing? Should we be doing something different? And then we just said, we, we have these you know few units 
and they're working fine, they're just not significant, right? So we needed to, we, we essentially said, how can we scale this and make it into something that is significant? And having looked around and done some research, the, the answers seemed to be multifamily. The answer was less and less single family because it is just difficult to manage and scale single family houses or even duplexes at that point. So I was listening to Michael's podcast and actually became a student in the program. And that truly changed a lot of things for me personally. And I'm so truly grateful for that. That's great. And what was that experience like being a mentor student? So I think I tell people all the time, if you are looking to sign up for a program like this, you just have to be extremely honest with yourself, right? What I mean by that is this is a lot of hard work and you need to be honest that you're willing to do it. I mean, people are trigger happy to go sign up for a program, spend some money and say, yes, well, now that I've paid, I'll do it. There's people that do sign up for the program and quit the program, right? I mean, and those are unfortunate cases. We, we try as much as possible to not have that happen. But I think if people just truly soul search before they start and say, am I willing to do this work? Am I uncomfortable enough in my personal life today that I will have to change something to do this work? And if that answer is yes, then do it. Otherwise, you are just probably just going to waste your time and, and some money. I think that goes for most things related to success is you have to have that fire in you that really wants it because anything worth working for requires work and effort and sometimes sacrifices and changes. So with anything, it's all about how badly do you really want it? Absolutely. So no, for me, it was, it was a great experience because my wife and I were on the same page. I think in addition, it was helpful that we had some money personally to invest and we were ready to go. We knew that mentally, financially, emotionally, we were there. And so during my years in the, my year in the, in the program, we ended up closing on four deals, four or five deals, the first four with our own money and the last one with, with investors. So that was very, I'd say game-changing for us and basically where I am today. Absolutely. And so you transition from mentor student to now you are a mentor yourself. Can you speak about what that experience is like now being in that role? Sure. I mean, I truly feel very grateful for having had the opportunity to be in the mentoring program. And I feel that, sure, could I have figured it out on my own? And could I have maybe achieved success without the program? Yes but definitely at a much slower pace. And so for that reason, I, I like being a mentor because I feel like had there not been a mentor that I was working with, like my progress would have been much, much slower. And, and that's why I do it. And I think it, it truly excites me when, you know, you work with someone who has all the reasons to fail, but, you know, perseveres and, you know, finds ways to solve problems and finds ways to make things work and then closes the deal, right? That is truly transformative to their life. It's just, you know, it's not a feeling you can get easily, but really seeing how you can help people and how you can change their lives for, you know, dramatically for the future. And so I, I feel like it's very gratifying and frankly, invaluable in a way. And I feel that I want to give back in that way. And that's, that's what I'm doing. Great. 
Yeah, that's wonderful. And we're so grateful to have you to help our students. So I want to I want to get talking about deals because you have done so many deals. You've seen a lot. You've experienced a lot. Can you share an experience of where you had a really great deal? I might even go as far to say an almost perfect deal. If you want to work with a full-time syndicator to help you get up to speed faster, get your first deal done this year, and scale your portfolio so you can quit your job, then check out our mentoring program. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. It's the only program out there that actually guarantees results. That's right. We actually guarantee that you do your first deal in the first year. Otherwise, we'll keep working with you. And set up a, a strategy session call and explore whether it's right for you. It's themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. So yes, I've, I've definitely had some some very good deals. One that comes to mind is actually a deal that took forever to close. The background to the deal is this this property got brought to me by a broker I'd done a bunch of work with. The property is in Marquette, Michigan, which is on the shores of Lake Superior. It's very cold up there. They get a ton of snow up there. I think they had 17 inches two weeks ago. It's still in Michigan. It's about seven hours drive from where I'm standing today. So I live in Ann Arbor, Southeast Michigan, 40 minutes from Detroit. This thing is literally a seven hour drive, right? It's probably closer to Chicago than than where I live. So I, I looked at the deal. It came available, I think, in 2019. And I made an offer. And the seller said, you know, it's not enough. And I moved on with my life and was doing other things. Of course, COVID happened early 2020. Then a few months later, I saw this deal again on the market. So I was asking my broker, I'm like, hey, I thought this property had sold. And he said, I'll check. And what he came back with was the seller did have someone, but they didn't close, right? So the deal is available. I said, well, I mean, I'm still interested at the price point that I had offered before. So they said, okay, fine. We'll submit that and see what they say. A month goes by. They're like, yeah, we're considering it. Maybe, maybe not. But at this point, it's like the summer of... 2020 COVID summer, <laughs> right? And they're like, yeah, we'll accept your offer on one condition. And that is, we don't want to close too quickly, which is like, you never hear that. You, you never hear a seller say, don't close too quickly. Sellers always want to close yesterday. They want to close as quickly as possible. So I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, what's going on here? And I kind of figured it out, okay, they must have had like some kind of massive prepayment penalty. And at the time, so most of these loans are levered to some kind of interest rate, in this case, the 10-year treasury. And the 10-year treasury had taken a nosedive because of COVID and the uncertainty during COVID. So interest rates had gone, the 10-year T-note today, I think, is around 4% and it got into 5%, and that's huge. At the time, it was like 0.6%. So the seller, if they paid off this loan, would have to essentially pay that, that bank over a half million dollars because they're paying it off early. So they didn't want to close too quickly because they were hoping the 10-year T-note would go up slightly so they wouldn't have to pay as much. So I am thinking, okay, great. If we have time, then I want to minimize my risk and I'm not sure how, but you know, can I put less than 20% down on this loan? Because you know, for me at the time, this was like an $8 million purchase price, 8.3, I think. It's COVID, nobody wants to invest because everyone's scared. So I asked my mortgage broker, I'm like, is there any program out there that I can do less than 20% down? And they're like, oh yeah, by the way, there's this thing called HUD, the Department of Housing and Urban Development. There's a loan that allows you to put down 
it's a very rigorous application process, often takes six months. They're very, 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 very strict about all the things they check, but they will finance this. And oh, by the way, the great thing is that their interest rates are very low because they're essentially being very strict about the inspections. So I said, fine, let's do it. Excuse me. So I applied for this loan. And frankly, the difficulty in this deal was keeping investors interested because now you're like signed up and it's six months down the road before you close. Ended up being nine months before we closed. We closed in March of 2021. The seller was super happy because the 10-year note had risen. They didn't have as much of a prepayment penalty. We bought this property at a great price point at a great interest rate of 2.4% fixed for 35 years. I mean, that property is the best performing property in our portfolio today because our debt is fixed at 2.4%. <laughs> Further, in this market, there's been no new construction. And so there's just not a lot of good apartment stock. And so when we renovate our units, we're getting these massive premiums and rent. I mean, without even charging them, people are like bidding each other out to live in our spaces, which is not in any other market that I've invested in. So it's just been a very surprisingly great market. And I can't frankly take all the credit. Like I, I mean, I knew it was a diversified economy. There's a university up there. There's some primary industries up there, forestry, mining, there's tourism, but I could not have predicted they were gone as well as I had. And so that, that has been a great property and our investors are very happy about it. That's great. Sounds like it was worth a seven hour drive. Yes. We we took a family trip during the summer of COVID to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, inspected it, loved it, and frankly have bought other property up there since, and that has gone really well as well. And it's it's a great, I mean, Marquette's a great city and great, great town. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. So I know things don't always go as smoothly or as wonderfully as it sounds like that deal panned out. So do you have any you know experiences that you can share with us where Maybe just something really unexpected happened, and how did you handle it? Sure, there's there's a few I could, I could point to. I think the most recent one that comes to mind is we closed the deal last year, 2023, which we started working on in early 2023, like January or so of 2023, which this deal is in Jackson, Michigan, 55 units. Simple deal, simple property, nothing too dramatic, not a ton of work needed. The seller is an operator locally that we know and respect, and they've done great things. They just did not have the bandwidth to manage it very well. They had owned it for a while, but they did not have anything else in that city that would allow them to be as cost-effective in the property management side as, as they would like. So we got the deal under contract, went to walk through the property. It had been extremely well-maintained, really nice apartments, great tenants, no surprises. The last day of diligence, the one thing that was left to check was property taxes. And so I call the city and say, hey, this is the address we're interested in. What would the ballpark goalpost taxes be if we bought it at this price point? And they take a second and then they give me a number. And I took a pause. I'm like, are you sure you have the right address? They said, yes, because the taxes that the seller was paying the year prior was about $60,000. And with whatever math the lady gave me, basically it was about $180,000, right? So three times the amount. And so I said, you know, can I speak to the tax assessor? He wasn't in, but she gave me his phone number and I called him. 
and he confirmed that that was the actual amount, which was three times what they were paying previously. And so here's what had happened. The taxes explained that in the city, properties were selling for dramatically more than they were, quote, valued at by the assessor. So originally they thought it was a one-off thing, but then they realized it wasn't a one-off thing. And so now they just said, we're just hiking prices quite a bit. Usually owners receive uh, a statement from the city saying, this is what your taxes are supposed to be. And it's it's called the state equalized value, uh, SEV. Most people don't pay attention to that because the SEV or your tax rate itself is capped at roughly three to 5% a year. And so whatever the SEV is doesn't affect you until you sell. Once you sell, if they hike that SEV dramatically, then the city or the municipality essentially can bring their taxes to that state equalized value. And that's what they did in this case. And so that letter had actually not even been mailed to the seller yet. So they weren't aware of it. So, I mean, long story short, what we had to do is, I mean, I immediately called the seller and said, this is our last day for you know being under contract without losing our earnest money deposit. I'm sorry to say that we have a problem, <laughs> not just for us, but anybody who is interested in buying this property from you will face this massive tax increase, right? So, I mean, I am letting you know this and you can tell us what the next steps are. So the seller said, here, how about we give you an extension just so we're not putting your earnest money at risk. We agree that this should not be a reason for you to lose your earnest money, but we'd like to go and talk to the city ourselves because we don't even have this information yet. So they, we did that. We we had an extension. They went talk to the city. The city confirmed what I had already told them that indeed whoever buys this will have to pay taxes at three times the clip that they were paying. And so they got really fierce. The broker actually called me. The, the, the selling broker called me. I was like, "The city is going to lose this argument." I had made money or made a living suing cities for doing things like this in my past life, essentially appealing tax increases. And the comps they're using don't make sense. And the formula they're using doesn't make sense. It's like, we'll get back to you. I'm like, great. <laughs> so they went to the tax tribunal to contest the taxes. Before that, they actually asked us to cancel the contract because they didn't want the city to use that against them, saying you have a buyer and now you're using this. But they fought the fight. I think we we're out of contract for about six weeks. They ended up winning, but the taxes went up, I think, from roughly 60000 to about 95000 a year. So still a massive increase, but not a 300 or 200% increase. And then essentially they, they came back and said, if you're willing to buy it at this tax price or this level of tax burden, we would still love to sell it to you. So we bought it. <laughs> that, was, that was a very interesting detour to that whole deal. So a deal that sat in January closed uh, mid-June. Wow. Yeah, that took an unexpected turn for sure. <laughs> it was uh, definitely one that, again, check your taxes and you can do that literally even before you're under contract. You can call the city or whatever municipality. And sometimes they wouldn't tell you, you know, municipalities don't want to kind of reveal their hand too much, but some of them will say, you know, it'll be within this range, or at least they'll give you, this is a millage rate formula. And this is the math you can go do to get some ballpark estimates. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it seems like you've had your experience in problem solving for sure. Yeah. I think, I mean, truly you, you have to, and I think this is something we talked about before I started recording, right? Anyone who's in this business needs to be able to 
have the ability to problem solve and have the confidence that they can find the answers somewhere, right? Because I feel like a lot of people, they're looking for all of the cards to be in the deck, so to speak, before they play the first one, before they make the first move. I'm not sure the analogy is right. You can't always have all the answers, right? You may have enough information to move forward and just trust that, you know, you're resourceful enough where you will find the right people to get you those answers. But if that's not in your personality, which I mean, for some people, it's not right. You have to have everything perfectly aligned before you make a move. It's just a non-predictable business. Like it's, it's, you know, it's not, it's not all laid out. It's not tidy. It's, it's often messy and, and frustrating, frankly, and you just have to go and get things done sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, in speaking to that, I can imagine how, helpful it is to have someone like you. I'm sure your mentor students feel very grateful. I know we're grateful to have you as a mentor, but I'm sure they are too, because when there is times where there's unknowns and you're not sure what's going to happen to have someone who gets it, who's been there, who's been through the experiences to help guide you through that process, I'm sure is really invaluable. I hope that I'm helpful with the folks I work with. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we know we are. I can say that for sure. We're confident that we know We're super, super grateful to have you as a mentor and and to help our team. So thank you so much for the time to speak with us today. If anyone listening wants to find out more about our mentorship program, go to themichaelblanc.com slash mentor. And thank you again, David. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much, Mary Beth. Always a pleasure. Take care. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by downloading Michael's free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Head over to themichaelblock.com slash ebook to get the free training.